podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Because there's only one you, Views Alto is the vape as unique as you are. With Views by You, you can make your unique mix with any of seven colors, three flavors, three nicotine levels, and infinite wrap designs. So how will you do you? Make Views Alto a vape that is yours in store now. Discover more at Views.com. Views, charge beyond. Vapor products, underage sale prohibited. Website and offers restricted to age 21 and over tobacco consumers. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Hi everybody, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Tactics Board. Uh, you'll all agree it's been a fantastic week to be a Liverpool fan. Uh, and what we're going to do tonight, we want to have a look at two games that what could define uh, the next uh, you know, next season's campaign uh, in the Champions League, um, hopefully by securing top four, and then ultimately bringing some silverware home would be the, I think something that we never thought that we'd be able to do come the start of the season. So uh, joining me tonight, unfortunately my, my partner in crime, Steve Brown has deserted me. He's cheating on me with another podcast. Uh, he's over in Liverpool for the Stoke game and, and you might hear him on the Anfield rap, uh, but I'm delighted to say that joining me tonight will be Al Rogers, Damo Flood and Dan McGuinness. How are you gents? Hello pal, you okay? Good to have you all here. I'm going to come to you first, Al, because we were we were talking in the week. Uh, you were lucky enough to have tickets to to the game, uh, the Roma game at Anfield. You took your little lad over over and were sending us some fantastic videos. So how was it, mate? Yeah, it was it was brilliant to be honest with you. Um, we we got there early, Jay, before the kickoff about about half five. You know, just a sample of the atmosphere and. Um, outside the Arkles and the coach. To be fair, the coach shot past quite quick. It was like a blink of an eye. But, you know, the atmosphere was brilliant and the little fella loved it and inside the stadium was sensational. Did the, did the weather not dampen the spirits, mate? Everybody was still involved. Yeah, honestly, it was mad because it was absolutely chucking it down and no one had umbrellas or not. Everyone was just saturated, but, you know, no one, no one cared. Um, did they do something different with the? Did they do something different with the coaches? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did they? Do, what did they change? So, obviously, you know, you know the Arkles pub, hmm. and you've got the big man, the long road coming up to it. Now the coaches come up this side of the road. So what hmm. the police has done this time is they put the the vans. You've seen some of the lads on top of the um, on top of the police vans and that. So the, the that was you, wasn't it? You were on well, top I tried of the to get on, mate. I couldn't get my fat ass up. <laughs> <laughs> so they put the they put the vans gate right the way the sides of the road, all the way mm. down to the very bottom by Stanley Park, oh, and really? the coach come the coach come on the other side of the road yeah. on the opposite side. So it was kind of like just like they just shot up and in. Mm. But probably the atmosphere, the better, mate. 
probably, probably better probably. after the last time, to, to yeah. be fair. Um, so what I want to do, lads, because um, we want to try and, again, keep the show to maybe 45 minutes to an hour, um, is first of all, look at the Stoke game. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on that. And then I want to spend, obviously, a little bit more time on, on the, the second leg over in Rome, I think. This is arguably the biggest fixture that Liverpool have had maybe in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, so I think it's only right that we do it a little bit of justice. So um, moving to Stoke, I suppose, um, a huge uh, part of this game for me um, will be what influence does the game next week have on the team selection? Um, you know, I think you know Stoke coming to, to Liverpool... Uh, you know, I think they've got one away win all season. Uh, there still seems to be a little bit of nerves around this game uh, among some fans thinking that top four is, I suppose, under threat. Um, and I'll come for, to you first, Damo. Uh, how are you feeling going into this game? Uh, not only, you know, in relation to the opposition, but more importantly, the bigger picture in terms of top four. I'm not really too worried about it all, Jamie. That's been honest with you. And I'm a kind of glass half empty, because you know, uh, mm. I've seen a bit of Stoke under Lambert, and they are garbage. They are absolutely garbage. Mm. I think they will come, they'll, they'll, they'll try to nick a point. Although they need three, they'll come try nick a point. And I think if we get a goal against the first half, I think it's it's curtains for them early. So I, I, I'm not really too worried about the game. And I, I literally go with the strongest level we have. I wouldn't worry about Wednesday night either. There's still a couple of days. I think I said just during the week in the group, uh, I'd much prefer to see us just treat the next four games as the next four games and just mm. put out their strongest side in each and every one of them. You know, so, and, and then worry about what happens after that. I'll, I'll come to you, Dan, because uh, I suppose one thing I think that uh, we need to be mindful of is the fact that Stoke go into this game needing a win. And the fact that I suppose they then can take the shackles off uh, knowing that you know a draw probably isn't good enough for them in terms of safety, um, you know I think that they're four points from Swansea who have a game in hand on them, so it really is sort of uh, shit or bust now at this stage for them, you know. Um, so with them needing a win, do you think that that obviously makes them a more dangerous animal? And and, and where do you see their uh, their approach or sort of path to victory being tomorrow? Yeah, I think well, obviously being with them being four points from Swansea, we can't see them coming to Anfield and only looking to play for a draw. Um, they're at the bottom of the table. I don't think they're going to look at our players. I think they're going to play to their profile in terms of being big and direct. Um, whether Crouch plays or not, I'm not sure if he's injured. It's going to be an aspect. But obviously, look at the West Brom game. So, Peters was an issue for it for us. I think any team in the bottom half of the Premier League is going to come to Liverpool and say, yeah, we need to look dangerous from uh, set pieces. But... In reflection of that, against Roma, we scored from a set piece and then you, you see Lovren's header, which goes over the bar. And you're saying to yourself, we need to score from that. It's defensively, we need to kind of buckle. Um, but I don't think, as what Damon said, I don't think the Lambert effect is being too great. Uh, I think they're still in the same kind of trances Mark Hughes of just like leaking goals and not being dangerous. Joe Allen makes a stuff tick for them. Don't get me wrong, he is good and he's technically not bad. But... Would he get into Liverpool team now or any other team or in the league? I don't think so. So I just think that hustle and bustle without any boy. I think Dan rightly touched on, I suppose, the the threat of Peter Crouch there because I think you know coming into to the game tomorrow, um, you know looking at their eleven, um, 
there doesn't seem a great deal of pace in the side and there doesn't seem too much of an attacking threat. Um, so looking at the last couple of games, they very much seem to play direct into Crouch, uh, try and have people sort of play off the bits. Um, Al, would you say over the last couple of games, because uh, obviously we've conceded a couple of go- late goals at West Brom to sort of direct set pieces, um, and then obviously the the Roma game towards the end, do you think that that has any bearing on this type of fixture, or do you think when you look at the goals in isolation, they can be explained without any real uh, reason for concern? No, I don't think there's a reason to be concerned for Liverpool to concede goals, but if they concede the goals when they, they basically the game is done and dusted in a way. West Brom game should have been done and dusted. And I think it's uh, the lapse of concentration to cost us there. But I, c- I can tell you now, it, Liverpool, for me, they've got, it's all right saying, go into these games, the next four games, as the next four games. We're decimated by injury. We get one more injury to the midfield player. We're in trouble. Mm. We're in trouble. Um yeah, I think Stoke tomorrow for me, Jay. I think they're, they're a poor team. They're a poor team. I do think they've been a little bit unlucky the last few games. You know, mm-hmm. they've been 1-0 up and conceded late goals. But um, if it was me tomorrow, I'd play our strongest team, try and blow them out the water, get two or three goals up and start, you know, wrestling the two or three lads. Yeah, because I think, you know, we've touched on this in, in previous pods, Al. I think, you know, the... Liverpool have always had the accusation that we've got a bit of a soft underbelly when it comes to those sorts of direct teams yeah. that look, look to pump long balls. But we've seen now, and I think it was highlighted in the West Brom game, even though the fact that you know we, we did concede the goals, the influence of Virgil van Dijk, I think there was one chance particularly at the end where I think he knocked about three people out the way yeah. to win the header. Um, I, I feel like we're a little bit more secure Um I mean, from my side, just to touch on, I suppose, the goals, and we'll come on to this later against Roma. Um, I think that that game is is a bit of an anomaly in terms of we were five nil up. Uh, you know, they 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 get a goal from a from a change in shape, uh, a long ball into the box, and it was very much an individual error, I think, from from Dejan Lovren, um, yeah. which then gives them the impetus. Apart from that, they hadn't really created too much. Uh, so I think sort of going into this game, we've got to we've got to be confident that we can withstand, you know, the aerial bombardment of Stoke uh, and hopefully get a goal early doors. What would you say, Damo? Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Um, I even think we're giving Stoke too much credit for any aerial bombardment they're going to give us. I, I, Crouch is whatever seven foot tall, but it's not that great in the air. It really isn't big. He's, I think Dejan and Van Dijk will have his card marked all, all day. Uh, as you said, they'll probably try to buzz around us with the looks of Shakiri uh, playing off us in the hole, running around them areas. And that's picking up them little second balls off. Them. But I just think we're going to have way too much for these lads. I really do. It's, it, I've watched them the last couple of weeks and I thought they were a really, really poor side. And they look relegation fodder and they look like a championship side already, in my opinion. They've become more... I know they have won games, but they become difficult to beat and they've become solid. But that's what they needed to do at the start of the season, not now. And I know Lambert's only getting in, putting his shape on things. But to me, he looks like a like a man who's putting his shape on a team that's already preparing for the championship. Mm. I think tomorrow, I would uh, agree with them. I would think even when they are looking to play direct, I don't think there's like a plan and actually or a certain trend or a trigger for them to play direct. I just think it's any type of way in which they're pressed. It's just like okay, like 
it's not safe. It's the easy back. out. It, it seems yeah, like the left back piece is always, was, you know, he, he'll get the yeah, ball, and if there's off. nothing on, it's always a pump, you know. It's yeah. just off crouch and then hope for a little bit of brilliance from Shakiri or Allen trying to pick up pieces. Like even you look at the fullbacks, you don't look at them and say, "Jesus, they're good players." They're not. Are, are they going to overlap all day? No. So realistically, I think once their fullbacks do our job in terms of stopping crosses and us dealing with the the force direct ball and then picking up seconds, I think any anything other than that will be okay. I wouldn't be any more frightened of. The thing for me on it is Crouch, you know, yeah, Crouch is going to win his first year of Edders, but it's not as if they've got, like, blazing pace running off him to get in behind us. Mm. I'll just, you know, yeah, he might, he'll win his first year of Edders, but who's going to get in the end of them? You know, Shaqiri, yeah. you know, I, I, looked, I used to think he was a good player, but when you look at his stats, I think this is his best season he's ever had. Seven mm. goals, is it? Mm. Who was the who was the out of interest, Al? Who was the to- tallest, most I suppose aw- awkward type player that you'd come up against in your time? And I suppose you know in the in the Peter Crouch ilk, and, and how did you deal with somebody like that? Nal Quinn, the, it, yeah. Um, yeah, the year we won the league with Forest, they had it was Nal Quinn and Kevin Phillips. Um, but Kevin Kevin Phillips was you know was running off Nal Quinn's flick ons. You know, there's nobody, there's no Kevin Phillips at Stoke who's going to get in the end and finish them off. Mm. Um, but yeah, now Quinn was there. Uh, the thing with now Quinn, he was a powerful man as well, so he could actually hold the centre halves off as well. Mm. You know, he's winning ahead and he's holding two or three players off. And and as the defender there, you know, I I was always taught, look, if if you're not going to win that battle, realise it early and make sure yeah. that you're alert or your or your teammates are within, within touching distance and they're getting the bits. Is that very much the way to approach it? The perfect example, Jay, is Lukaku, Man United. Lovren yeah. kept trying to win the ball, but he was he was not winning the battle. So mm. just step off, let Lukaku flick it on, and you bring the ball down in your chest and look a player. I think mm. I think Carragher nailed it in one when he used to play against Rock. He said if he let Rock get anywhere near him, I get a hold on him. He was done. He was yeah. done for because he's yeah. so big, so big and powerful that they just roll you. And the minute you're in any way contact with someone bigger and stronger than you, and they roll you. It's game over. It's either a shot on goal or it's a goal. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes, you know. <coughs> but I can't see Crouch outbusting for Big Verge. There's not. A, I just can't see it happening. No, me neither. And I think I don't want to spend too much time on Stoke because I think we've we've discussed the fact that they're, they're not the nicest team to <laughs> to to preview. So let's look at the Reds instead because there's a couple of things I want to touch on. And, and I suppose it's the age old argument: Do you make it a sixty minute football match where you put your best team out and you try to blow them away early, and then you you sort of take off your best players and wrap them up in cotton wool? Or is this very much a, a squad fixture where you look to rotate and, and, and just see the game game out in a professional manner? I'll come to you on this one, Damo, because there's a, co- a couple of teams that are doing the rounds. Uh, would you very much sort of go with your, with your strongest 11, uh, which basically is the only 11 that we have available at the moment uh, with, with, or with the injuries that we've got? Uh, pretty much. Uh, I, I'd like to keep it as... I, I maybe even if I was going to make a change, I'd take uh, Lovren out. I might put Clavin in beside uh, Van Dijk. I don't think mm. that's going to hurt us or damage us too much. Uh, I think Lovren and Clavin will be pretty much like for like. I know Lovren's the better player, but uh, I think in a game like this, if the Dell play Groucho front in the zone, I think there's plenty of room for Clavin to come into the side. Uh, I'd like Robertson to play. I, I don't want to ever see Moreno on the team again. I said that before Christmas. <laughs> and he came back into the side last week. I know he's rusty and the whole lot, but he was shit. Let's just call it Spence. He was dreadful last week. <laughs> you like him then, abysmal. mate, yeah? 
Ah, top, top, top player. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't see where else we really need to change things. Um, I'd like to see us do the 60 minutes, get the game out of the way, get get freshness onto the pitch then, and, and, and then we'll think about Wednesday after that. But I'd hate to be going into this game, putting Moreno's in, putting academy players in, and to be nil all at 70 minutes, and then say, looking to, to, to get a goal and then get done on a break or a poxy free kick or something like that. So I'd, I'd rather just see us keep the strongest 11, so maybe centre-half or maybe a full-back coming in. Right, we had the debate last week actually about um, the, the sort of back the back four or the defensive unit and, and I'd be of the trainer thought that I don't like messing with the back four. Uh, I think you can rotate your midfield, you know, one or two midfielders or one or two of the attacking options, but you, don't, you know, you don't build houses on quicksand and I think that it showed at West Brom, um, we were susceptible to, uh, you know, issues defensively in terms of set pieces, but, you know, they were getting joy in wide areas. And, and I'd be of the train of thought that that wouldn't have happened if we'd have had our best, uh, you know, best back four out. And I'll come to you on this, Dan. Um, would you be confident going into this game if we were to make a series of changes at the back or you as a, as a left back yourself, you know, would you be of the, the thinking that you want to continue with those relationships with, with the, the centre back to your right hand side and, and the midfield in front of you? Yeah, 100% because if you think of the profile in terms of the team, like we haven't really had a back four like the way maybe City or United have had where they've played the nucleus of all the games together. Realistically, it's only going to be after Christmas where they've actually probably played together. Like Lovren and Big Verge, they're, they're the new pairing. And then Robertson or whatever are Big Verge playing on the left hand side. So they're another partnership. Gomez has been exceptional for us. It was only injury that really got Trent back in the team. So I'd, I would keep them together. I'm really shocked in the aspect of Karius uh, being so good. Now, don't get me wrong, my heart was in my mouth on the thing at the crossbar. He kind of like woke everybody up to, in terms of what he's capable of, probably a, a blunder. But I, I, I don't see the, the big thing in resting them. The, the big one is, is obviously, do you play Salah in terms of having the little scare we had with his groin? But at the end of the day, he's on fire. He wants the goals. I'll just let him play. The midfield issue is obviously a big one with them being injured, but as a back four, keep them together, keep us safe. If you don't concede, you don't lose. That's, that's really the truth of it, you know? And I'll, I'll come to you on this, because uh, again, we touched on this sort of last week in ter- terms of strikers, and we had the whole debate around, I think Mo Salah is, is going to start the games, because I think yeah. the whole team are trying to get him to, to that golden boot, and, and I think rightly so. Imagine trying to be the manager that tells him that he's not starting... Uh, And he loses that chance to get a goal. But one thing that I did notice, um, particularly when we sort of played West Brom, is with Danny Ings coming into the side, and and potentially if we are to rotate, you would say that one of the front three, particularly if Manny is injured like uh, or got a carry in a knock, you would say that Danny Ings would probably be the the guy that comes in. Um, I've pulled up a graphic on the screen there, and and I think what happened in the West Brom game is Danny Ings was dropping very deep. Uh, he was dropping into a sort of 10 position and, and Mane and, and Salah were running past him. But he wasn't as effective in that position as Roberto Firmino. Um, for obvious reasons, Roberto Firmino is arguably the best in that position in Europe at the moment. Um, but the question to you is, do you think that Roberto Firmino now is the key to, to uh, how this side functions as an attacking unit? Absolutely. Um, you know, 
listen, we can all wax lyricals about uh, Mo Salah, and rightly so. You know, the, what he's doing is is absolutely unbelievable. But for me, Firmino was still Liverpool's main player. I know that might sound daft because of the goals, what uh, what Salah scored, and the threat of Mane, but. You take Firmino to Liverpool's team and I think you take a, a hell of a percentage away from our threat because his hold-up play... I mean, has he got 25 goals, am I right in saying, this season himself? There or thereabouts, mate. There or thereabouts. There and and I just... He, he is the nucleus of everything for Liverpool for me. I've got to be honest with you. And I, I, You take him out the team and I think it's a, it's a massive, massive loss for us. We we had a debate before we were because there's a there's a rumored team going around uh, for to, for tomorrow and uh, the interesting thing about that team is it does look a little bit experimental. Now look, you take this with a pinch of salt. You know the information that we do tend to get usually is quite accurate. Um, so so if this is the team, it'd be no great surprise. But that team would see Trent uh, Trent Alexander. Uh, coming into the side, um, I'm just pulling up a graphic now, and and, and it has a back four of Moreno, unfortunately, Damo. Sorry, mate. Uh, it also <laughs> it also has Gomez coming in at uh, at right full Clavan. But most, in, I suppose, the most interesting fact of this is is Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, potentially in, in midfield. Now, this team that we were sent, it could be completely different and we could be playing uh, we could be playing wing-backs and three at the back. But one thing that I do, do want to bring the lads in on is um, if we were to experiment with Trent in midfield, as a new player that's, you know, a youngster that's trying to find their feet in the side, um, you know, if he's, if he's learning his craft as a, as a right-back, what effect does that then have on him once he's got re- used to the rhythm and the flow of playing in a certain position and he's really making it his own? What impact or you know would that have on him if he's then expected to to move into a centre midfield berth? And, and I'll come to you on that, Al. Do you know the thing with Trent at the minute? I think he's on such a high. He's a 19-year-old kid. He's, he's come through a difficult time. All of a sudden, he's looking the best right-back England's got. Hmm. He's... Uh, you know, I see the quote today. He's played more Champions League games than Everton as a club. He's nineteen. I'm <laughs> scored more Champions League goals probably as well. Exactly. So do you know what? I think the kid will be his confidence is going to be absolutely through the roof. I don't think it'll have too much in effect. But just quickly, Jay, this is what brings me back on. You know, when Liverpool change and as a back four, as you were saying, the likes of uh, Robinson and Trent Arnold, they're not 32, 33 years of age. These lads will want to play every game. It's not as if they're going to be, you know, tired. They're winning games, they're playing Champions League semi-finals, they're playing sensational football. The games so can't come quick enough. They can't come quick enough. You know, they, I, I, as an ex-player, I've been in teams that's flying and successful. I want to play every minute of every game. Hmm. You know, Milner, well, yeah, I can understand Milner. Because of the work he puts in, he's thirty-two. Yeah, give him a break. We can't, we can't risk him. But not nineteen and twenty-one year old kids. And we and we've said this on on previous shows. You know, I think the the impact that Robertson and and Trent have had in an attacking sense, particularly at home against the teams that like to sit in, and and I'd say that Stoke would be no different tomorrow. Um, when they don't play. We look a lot less toothless, and I think in this Jurgen Klopp system, the fullbacks are expected to play such an important role. Uh, and I'll come to you on this demo because I'm going to talk about your favourite player. Uh, you know, when when we play with Moreno and Gomez, um, particularly in Moreno's case, he seems a little bit caught between wanting to be a sort of winger 
come attacking fullback and 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 a, and a defender. Well, as we said, as a, as a defender, as a fullback, your first job is to defend. Um, unfortunately, Moreno hasn't gotten his, that in his locker, and his first idea is to get forward. It should be the opposite way around as a fullback, and that's why Robertson and Trent have been as good as they have, because they've been good defensively as well as going forward. And there's no point you going up and creating chances up to the end if you're shipping down the fair end. Like you see Moreno, he, he caused so much problems for us on the left last week. Uh, Phillips stunned him every single time, nearly, and he was a constant threat down that side. So I, I just think I, I much prefer me fullbacks to be able to defend before they can go forward. And we're lucky that Trent and Robertson are both able to do that uh, because if you see any player that's going and attacking and he's, he's getting past the, the midfield and he's, he's joining an attack that's no use if he's leaving big massive gaps at the back which neither of them seem to do they seem to have that recovery pace to go back uh, and they seem to know when to attack that's the key when you're a fullback he know when to go and Moreno doesn't know when to go. He just empties that gap and he, he's just gone before the players developed even towards him. That's my problem with Moreno when he plays there. Well, back up Dino's point there 100%. If you think about it, like, realistically, Stoke aren't going to look to play through us and dictate play like, and look to overload centrally and stuff. They're literally just going to play the ref, look together wide and get crossed in the box and then try and play from there. So him trying to defend against Phillips, who's somewhat buying average in the league, <clears throat> and then he's going to play against another winger with our beach security. It's just going to be nightmares, I think. I just think back up Al's point as well. It's play, play them. They're, they're young. They're inquisitive. They want to play. They're good going both ways. You have to remember, Robinson played against Sterling, who's probably won't be one of the best players in the league. And Trent played against Sané, who should be in the, play, uh, the team of the year. So the two of them kind of fame aren't going forward the other way. Oh, well, that leads me on... Sorry, Dave. I was I was down last week uh, in Kilkenny at Carragher's uh, five times gig. He said the exact same thing. We we spoke about the team that was to play Saturday, and he said them young lads will want to play every minute of every game. Exactly what we were saying. Like he said the exact same thing. He'll want them. Them young lads won't want to come out of the team. They they will play injured. They will play hurt. That that because they just want to play every single minute. That's what he and the recover, and the recovery age. time is quicker. You know, we're all we're all older. Well, apart from Dan, we're all older men now. It, it yeah. we make noises when we get out of we bed in the morning. You know, it's. It, <laughs> <laughs> I make noises um, getting into bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I want to finish on, lads, before we move on to to Roma, is the midfield three. Um, now, I, I think we can we can all safely say that this would probably be our. Our biggest concern at the moment, um, and I personally, I'm absolutely devastated for Chamberlain. I think he gives this team dynamism. Uh, I think breaking from deep, I think he's been a revelation. I think he's he's got an element of leadership about him as well. Um, so to lose him at such a pivotal time is is a huge blow. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, we realistically now have three. Uh, fully fit starting quality midfielders in Milner, Henderson and uh, and obviously Ginny Wijnaldum. Is it too much uh, to expect the lads to, to to play all of the games now until the end of the season, given the, the sort of breaks we have in between the games? Or are they, go- realistically, because of the shift that they put in, uh, are some of them going to have to be rotated? And I'll come to you, Al. Well, I think... The only one who I'd look after me and wrap up a little bit is Milner because Milner's he's he's been you know in and around the team from from the off of the season. Henderson's missed a hell of a lot of football this season through injury. 
And when Aldham's, you know, maybe played 60, 70% of the games, they're a lot younger than Milner as well as when Aldham's 25, 26. Mm. So they're still relatively young lads. So, no, I don't think it's a big ask for to say to them, you know. And the key is, as well, Jay, the big games we're playing in now, these aren't just end of the season, you know, like everything's done and dusted. The semi-finals, there's a possible final. So the big games and... I like said Henderson. I'd play Henderson and Ronaldo in every game that we've got now. And mm. you know, the, the, obviously Milner, but I'll hopefully get this top four sorted out. So that, that could be done just tomorrow if we get a win. And then you well, can that, look that, that, leads, that leads me nicely on to, to predictions and I suppose. And do you do you do we feel uh a, and I'll go round the room, do we feel that A a win will will be enough? I think we only need a point after that. And a win will, will be enough and, and B <laughs> What's the predictions for, for tomorrow's game? And I'll come to you, Dan, first. Well, I think Liverpool will win comfortably. I think it'll be 3-0. I think Klopp is going to use the game more as like almost like a training game to kind of paint the style of play against though. Because I can't imagine Roma wanting to do the same thing what they did in the, in the trying to play out. I think they're going to be get it wide. Like in the game against uh, Roma, it's 41 crosses that they had. Now, how many of them were successful or unsuccessful? We don't know. But the thing is, I think we win comfortably, but it's just a more about us. Just, just get a win. I don't care how we, the way that we play the rec for ninety minutes. I don't care. Just win. That's it. I'd say it'd be three 0 maybe three one. Damo. Uh, again, I agree with Dan. I think we win comfortably. Uh, I don't see any issues in it. What I do think is uh, going on the the side that's been leaked or the the rumored sides. I do think Klopp is going to mix it up tomorrow, and that's more to probably get in the heads of Roma. Management thinking are we going to approach the game differently on Wednesday? Um, mm. we, we might mix it up with a formation, and but I think we'll play the way we normally play on Wednesday. But he might just mix things up a little bit tomorrow to uh, put a little kind of play in the air of the the, the Roma management team. But I, I, I think three 0 or four one. Um, I, I don't see them getting near us. Being honest with you. And uh, and and Al, what I, what I want to do, mate? I'll come to you first because I want to move to I want to move to Roma. Um, obviously, I want to spend a little bit more time on them because I think that's you know if we were to rank the games in, in importance, I think obviously Roma would 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 be the one. Um, and obviously, you being there on on, on the night, um, how would you assess? Because uh, uh, you know, from my side, I feel like that you know for a sixty minute game of football. <coughs> was arguably one of the best performances I think I've seen uh, in, in my lifetime as a fan. Um, but I feel like it's been glossed over a little bit by some because of the late goals. Um, so how would you, you know, in a general sense, before we get into a little bit of detail, how would you assess the, the performance and, and secondly, the results of the, the Roma game? The performance, the performance is outstanding. You, you've got to say you're 5-0 up in the semi-final of the Champions League. Uh, and the atmosphere afterwards, because like when I was walking home and you're bumping into fans and I see the few lads who were now, it was kind of dejected. It was like a dejected atmosphere. Hmm. It was it was a strange feeling after the game because you're five nil. You basically you're in you're in the final. It's done. It's game over. And I do still believe it's game over, by the way. But a five two, you kind of just give them a little bit of hope. But I think I think Klopp come out and said, didn't he? If someone would have said you're going to win the first leg five two, well then you'd have pulled the hand off them and said, yeah, we'll have a little bit of that. Um, I think how many Bayern Munich fans how many Bayern Munich fans would turn around now and wish for a 5-2 going into the second leg exactly exactly you know it's it's a great result no matter what way you're dressing up look it could have been 5-0 it would have been a lot better but it's 5-2 and I think I mentioned on the the last week's show before the road game 
for me, Jay, and I'll reiterate it again, they're a, they're a bang average team. They're a bang average team, and I thought they got shown that in the night. That back four stroke back five, it for me is a best championship. The lad Fazzo, or whatever his name is, who was at Tottenham, he's awful. Mm. You know, he's awful. He tried it in the Premier League and he soon got shipped out. Um, they can't well, let's, have a, let, let's, let's have a look at Roma because it was interesting from a... I did a bit of analysis today and, and from a tactical perspective, it was interesting to see they, they actually played three systems during the game, which surprised yeah. me. I, I think when you're emotionally invested in games, you don't necessarily see it first time. But then when you go back and watch the games for a second time, you, you notice the, the, the different patterns. And... They start, I, I thought on first watch, they started well. Uh, for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, they seemed to have a lot of the ball. They started with a 3-2-4-1, uh, and they really seemed to press us quite high. They seemed to put the strikers right on our, our centre-backs, and, and, and Kolarov, uh, Kolarov and, and, and uh, Florenzi was, were, were very, very high uh, in their setup. Um, so, oh, have we got a visitor there, Al? <laughs> <laughs> for those listening on the podcast Al's dog what's his name uh, Al what's your dog's Lottie. name Lottie. Lottie Lottie's come to join us on the podcast um, so yeah what, I think, think... <laughs> that's not our demo uh, but yeah I, I think from it, when we look at how they play do you think that their aim was to, to get an early goal, was to put us under pressure, uh, was to, to be on the front foot um, and, and to try and, I suppose, nick that early goal and then obviously camp, camp in and, and take something back to their place. I'll come to you, Dan. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, look, I think with the way they played, like, Rossi was obviously getting free at times and you were saying, yeah, OK, fair enough. But with impressing us, with both, like, I was looking at it Obviously, from a coach's hand, I was looking at both wing backs going and pressing really high, and I was just, I was almost like rubbing my hands because I could see our front three and the goals and what we got from it. I was just playing behind them. Like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't, it was kind of nasty at times to see that. But, like, from our point of view, if they do that against us over there and we're, we're 5 2 up and we're saying it, all we need is just one goal and then the game is over. So, if they pressed us again, I'd be really happy. I think. For a Liverpool point of view, the only thing we'd ever looked weak over the season and in recent times was when teams drop off. So, i.e. the Swansea game and then in recent past. So, I'd, I'd be I'd be to try and squeeze us as much as can. Um, that'd be really it, to be honest. I can't see them doing anything more meticulous. I think Al is dead right. That battery is buying average. Jesus failed at Inter. Manalas looks a good player. He's technically the only one that looks like they, they can play and deal with the pace and behind. But, Fazio's like a two-legged donkey. I don't think he's going to catch up with anyone. <laughs> one, pl- one player that stood out for me, Damo, um, uh, was was Nangalan. I think he, yeah. you know, he, he seemed to he seemed to have something about him. And, and what I seen happen was Jeko kind of dropped in on Henderson. Uh, so then what happened? They had an overload in midfield. So if um, Milner or Chamberlain and, or Wijnaldum, when he came on, went to press the Rossi, what you'd find then is Nangalan would just find little pockets of space because obviously uh, our midfielders have vacated that zone and he was picking up little pockets and, and he seems a really impressive player. So, so I'd, I'd even go as far as saying maybe the type of player that we've lacked for some time. Yeah, I agree with you there completely. Uh, I was watching the game with my young lad and um, first thing I said, I think there was a part in the, mid, in the first half when he got the ball in a tight area 
and with one touch he'd opened out and changed the play and he was under pressure when that happened and I'd, I'd seen him a few times and I said I really like him as a player he's got something about him uh, he's busy he's got good feet he's good technically he's, he's a lovely passer of the ball and he is a bit of a danger in there I, I agree he's probably their best midfielder out of three um, yeah De Rossi is, is a, he's a really good player I think De Rossi as well I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does uh, because he, he, he kind of does the dirty work probably a lot more than others but he, he's, he's very good technically uh, other than that I didn't think there were really any great shakes they, they got into the game very early on and they got a lot of possession in the middle of the park but I have to say I, I've been very critical of James Milner over the years uh, you haven't have you mate uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah just a bit just a bit he's a uh, can I just say for those head. listening, I do not share these sentiments. I'm a huge James <laughs> Milner fan, just for those listening. <laughs> well, 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 let's call it Spade. Spade. He's been excellent for us at the moment, but he has had poor patches. So, you know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. But there was a particular part of the game for, for me. It was about 20 minutes into the game, and they were well on top. They were dominating the middle of the park. And James Milner put his foot in the ball. And I think if you just go back and watch it, He's, he's involved in a passage of play of about 20, 40 passes. And I think he receives the ball about 10, 15 times. And all he's doing is keeping and slowing it and taking a little bit of heat out of the game. And within the next five minutes, we've got a goal over and we've got it on top. And I, I just thought it was brilliant. And it was it, it kind of gets overlooked, but he actually did do that. If you go back and watch it tonight, he just gets it and kills it. And, he and just I think, it around. that's the thing, though, Damo. I think you know we we've had it labelled at Liverpool for so long that we're not able to see games out. We you know we have an inability to manage games, and this is where I think the emergence and probably accidental emergence of Henderson and Milner as a pair has sort of come from in that they very much sort of adopt the role of lieutenants in the midfield for Liverpool now. You know, by you know they're not fancied by everybody, but back from a manager, they'd be a manager's dream. They, they implement the strategy. They don't waver. They keep it simple. They both have leadership about them. Um, and they stand up and be counted. And, and I'll come to you on this, Dan. When you look at our midfield now, um, do you really see that, that Henderson's influence and in particular James Milner you know, is, is really starting to shine through on this football team? You know, when you look at Klopp's style of play and you think about how high pressing it is, there's not many like midfielders out there nowadays that are going to be able to sustain that and demand it. Like, when you think of Milner, OK, yeah, you play that left, uh, left back for us, but maybe yeah, I might back me up here. But when you, I'm, I'm, I'm a left back. Um, if I try to play right back and play on the wrong side, I find it a, an awful lot harder. It's so hard. So for him to be able to play in two positions, it gives us a, a lot of balance and variations. But I think with the Ox getting injured, I know it's probably sickening for all of us, but when Genie came into the game, he was incredible. Um, the trend in the game with obviously Genie and Milner in the game, they start going wide when they were full pressing us. And then all of a sudden, those channels open up for us. So I think we have the mix of being Milner being quite dogged and Henderson kind of dealing with the physical threat. Then you have Genie that almost similar to, uh, characteristics of the Ox of driving forward with a good balance. So I, I can't see us being like over around the midfield. Nangling, like I'll say, is the only one. He's a real tree. He's a top player. Good player. He's a top player. Lovely player. He, he, was the, he, he was the one that took the shot. And I don't think it's a penalty. It's Milner's hand is by his side. But just before that, it was a cross with Jekko spinned around between fullback and centre-back. And it fell to Nangling at the top of the box. So I think it's from that's Henderson's type of, type of areas that when it does go across, he needs to pick up second balls for us. But 
we have the right mix in midfield. I just think tactically we kind of needed to get a little bit more. It wasn't the front trace press. It was more kind of midfield saying to himself, do we go or do we stay to pick up the Rossi? Once you go to the Rossi or uh, Gonalons to come on, but I think once we got tight to them, it was just a case of winning possession and then letting the front three go. So well, that, that, leads, that leads me nicely, actually, and I'll come to you on this out, because they, cause they did play the, th- the three systems. Um, and, and what Danny was saying, uh, Dan said there, you know, in terms of, um, uh, you know, when they made the, the double substitution, Klopp, Klopp alluded to it in his, his press conference. He very much trained and set up the side for, for a 4-5-1 formation. Um, you know, and then obviously I think it took 15 minutes to realise that they hadn't set up in that way. Um, one thing that stood out for me, Al, is that this Liverpool team were able to soak up a bit of pressure. Okay, they, they have got a little bit lucky with Carriers flapping at one, but they were able to soak up 15, 20 minutes of pressure and then quickly realised that there was areas in the channels where they could expose. And we had the, the, the sort of nous um, to, to realise that if we quickly moved the ball and just played it quite direct into those zones, our strikers would be able to, to really have some joy. Do you know what? And you bang on what you said. And do you know the big difference for me? From the, obviously, I was at the game, but then I come back and watched it with my son, with our Jack and the telly. And the big difference for me, and I think that this is where... We're blessed to have such a talented manager who can you can identify. And I don't believe for one minute that Liverpool were long balls. Liverpool exposed an area behind the wing back, and it, it take an idiot not to you not to expose that. If you have a look at Liverpool in the in the first fifteen minutes of the second half, the amount of times Salah and Mane got in just in them wide areas where the where their wing backs were vacated. Now, I've seen De Rossi's comment saying about direct. It's not direct football. It's not direct at all. If you, if you can ping a pass 40 yards into Mo Salah's feet, that's a long pass. There's a big difference. But I just thought Klopp must have got them in at half-time and said, expose them in these pockets out wide where, where their wing-backs are bombing on. And he just left. I felt he left Mane and Salah pushed up high and it exposed their uh, wide centre-halves. Centre but I think another, another thing on that as well, and I think it kind of played into our hands a little bit because they had the overload in midfield in the first half. I think they moved quite shortly into, or you know, quite early into the second half to a two up front. And what that allowed us to do, it allowed us to get a foothold in midfield again yeah. because yeah. they didn't, they didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have that overload in midfield. And all of a sudden, and Damo, this is what you touched on before, James Milner was allowed to get on the ball again. You know, we were able to put a foothold on, on the game and then we were really able to, to start dictating things. So I, I think it was a culmination of tactical nows from the players in the first half to realise. And, it, it, you know, it seemed very much from my side amongst themselves that, hold on, lads, we can hit them on the break here. There's so much space. And then I, I always feel more confident with Jurgen Klopp having 45 minutes of analysis of a game that he'll be able to 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 give one or two trigger points or one or two focus areas for the second half, uh, and the lads will be able to go out and do that. And, and they very much seem to to do that in the second half. Oh, without a doubt, for the first first twenty five minutes, uh, they kind of there was a sandwich in between the first twenty five minutes and the last twenty five minutes where we were exceptional. Now I mean, it was defensively midfield going forward. We just looked like. Everything was working. Everything was well oiled. Everything was moving as a machine, and not one person didn't know their job, didn't know what they were doing. And it was—it wasn't until 
if, if you notice halfway through the second half, it's sort of the Rossi or uh, Nangolin has a go off their own manager. I think both of them actually do it. And they actually focused. He said, you have to change this. You have to change something. And I know everyone said Klopp's changes and Dejan's uh, mistake. But I do think that Roma changed slightly in the last 20 minutes. Okay, they did, again. mate. You, they, you spotted they, it well. They, they, they actually moved to a 4-3-3, mate. They actually moved yeah. to a 4-3-3. And, and they kind of went man-to-man with us. And I think it did coincide with, obviously, uh, Lovren's fucking brain fart. Uh, you know, which which didn't help, but then that seemed to give them the impetus then to really snatch away the momentum in the game. And and I'll come to you on this, Dan. Actually, you know, as you know, when you've played in games, um, you know, if you're five nil up and cruising, and I think there's been a lot of analysis on the two goals that we conceded. In my personal opinion, probably a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you look at momentum in football matches, if you're five nil up and, and, and cruising, uh, and then all of a sudden one of your teammates drops a bollock and, and makes a completely un- uh, you know a unpredictable uh, mistake, uh, what what impact does that have uh, on you, the player, and you, the team? When let's say, for example, you're seeing a game out and coasting, and then all of a sudden the team's got a bit of a sniff and, and you're up against it. Yeah, I think when I look back at the goal and I was looking at it, I was, I was going, why is Van Dijk and Robertson so far ahead? But then um, Lovren and, uh, and Trent were like five or ten yards deeper. And I was looking at it going, Jesus Christ. And Jekyll was probably the best target man in Europe. He scored 50 goals or 100 goals, 50 goals in the Bundesliga, 50 goals in Italy, and then 50 goals in England. So if you give him them types of opportunities, it's going to nail you. I just think... In a game, obviously, we're all, we've all played the game. Late on in games, you are going to make the right decisions, but it's all about being compact and being trying to prevent goals as much as possible. I think it's a moment of madness between the, the centre-back and the full-back. But like you said, you kind of, everybody has to be on song. I don't think when you concede, you have to fight fire with fire. I think you may just have a word in terms of what went wrong, and then you just go right deep breath, and let's just finish the game now. I think too much emphasis has been on the goals of conceding too much. I think in the past we've obviously it goes it's probably in the shadow of just West Brom being comfortable and then they come back and get a draw out. So I think it was kind of more a factor of them coming into it and then getting a toward and then all of a sudden we're going to Rome kind of panicking. I wouldn't be too worried about them defensively. I was, was going to say actually, do you do you think there's there's reason to panic, uh, no, or do you think that this is just you, you you're confident going into the game? So if you think about the chances and what they had, the crossbar is a fumble, and then their goal um, is well, the only goal from open play. It's really it's just an individual mistake. And from a coach's hat's point of view, you can set up as much as you want tactically, or you can match people. But sometimes a little bit of quality will just outdo you, or it's just going to be an individual mistake. And it was an individual mistake that done us. It was a little bit of lax in communication, and probably a little bit of laziness that done us. But I can't, I, just, I can't see them opening us up. I think when Perotti come on, I think he has to start the second leg from Roma's point of view. I thought he kind of drove everything that was good about um, Roma. But we, we could have been, we could have scored ten goals. Exactly. exactly. We could have scored ten goals. You look at the the, the two very very good chances uh, Mane had. Wijnaldum, again, that was right in front of me. I don't know how he's missed it. Yeah. It's just a yeah. tapping. So yeah, that could have put us. Yeah, they could have put us six one. Yeah, there's no one from so, Roma. There's no one from Roma where you turn around and go, yeah, he could into our team. Realistically, like he, you might go right and angle him. But other than that, there's no one where from attacking point of view would go, yeah, love, no. love that team. 
you know. And it, it, look, I, it, you're five nil up, and I just think it's a lap, it's a lapse of concentration. That that's what's cost us. But for me, this is why Lovren has to be replaced. I know this is another subject in another show, Jay. But for me, this is why he has to be replaced. Because in big moments, in big games, you will continually let Liverpool down. I'll just say one thing on the, this, Jay. And I, I do think we're going to go through uh, on Wednesday. I don't think we're going to have any problems. Uh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. But none of us will be sitting here over the weekend worried about this game coming up Wednesday. Uh if Roma hadn't done what they did to Barcelona, if they'd have beaten Barcelona one or two yeah, nil, uh, and it, so they didn't have a massive comeback, nobody'd be even thinking about it. And that's been honest with you. I think, and I know we've shipped stupid goals and, and given away leads, but I just think we're a different animal now. Um, and I just think we're going to have far them come Wednesday night. And we're reading just far too much into what they've done in the last game against Barcelona. Who? I'd watched the previous week against Sevilla and thought they were very, very poor and were lucky to go away with a two-all draw. He scored two in the last minute after getting bashed for the whole game. I, so. I think that's fair, Damo. And, and it's, but I think when you look at the Barcelona game, I think although they won comfortably in the first leg, I think there was a lot of green shoots for Roma in that game. They actually played quite well and actually could, you know, they were unlucky with a few decisions and, and the game could have been completely different. So I think going into that second leg, they were going into it a, with a lot more confidence than uh, than Liverpool would have given them. I think, you know, we, as Al rightly said, we could have scored eight or nine goals in that football match and nobody could have complained. And I think what we will benefit from is, um, the, you know, potentially Barcelona were complacent going into that second leg, whereas I don't think there's a chance, you know, a chance in hell that Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp will be going into any second leg of the Champions League uh, complacent. No, I, I, I've seen some of the Roma-Barcelona game, and I thought Barcelona were just going through the motions for 60 minutes, 70 minutes. And then when, they, when Roma were scoring goals, it was kind of like Barcelona were like, Oh, we better start playing now. And it was kind of a little bit too late. The emphasis was all with Rome. Look, Man City, we went to Man City and beat Man City 2-1 at Man City. Roma nowhere near, nowhere near Man City. Liverpool win for me. It's it's funny yeah. that you say that, Al, because do you think, uh, and, we'll, and we'll bring it to a, a, a close now, lads, but do you think that there's going to be a lot of parallels uh, in terms of how we set up against City, perhaps under the cosh, you know, for 10, 15 minutes. But the fact that they have to come out and the tackles will allow the gaps for us to then expose on, on the break. I think they, they've got to come out with the tackles. They, they have. And, uh, you know, as we said, Man City have to come out with the tackles. But Man City's world-class players throughout the team who can hate you. Sané, Sterling, Aguero and, you know, De Bruyne. The list goes on and on and on with Man City. Rome, Roma haven't got that. They haven't got it. They've got a very, very good target, man, in Dzeko. They've got a, a fantastic midfielder. Apart from that, mate, nothing else worries me in their team. And uh, so, so that, that leads me nicely to prediction time. Um, I, I, I want a prediction for, for the Roma game. Uh, and then I also want, because it looks like we would potentially uh, be playing Real Madrid. <laughs> Uh, you know, if we were to get to the final, it looks like we'd be potentially playing them. So I'm going to be very presumptuous and assume that we get to the final. And I want a prediction for Roma. And then potentially if we were to play Madrid in the final, how do you think we'd fare? And I'll start with you, Damo. Um, I, I think it'll be a difficult enough game on, on Wednesday night. It'll be a score draw or we'll nick it by one. 
Um, I, I, I just think we've got far too much of them going forward. Uh, we're, we're, we we are much better side than we were six months ago with Van Dijk in the side. We although we, we shipped two there last week against West Brom, we're, we're not that same weak minded side. I don't think. And I just come Wednesday night, even if we can see it like we did against City early. I think we'll, we'll gather it in and we'll, we'll either end up winning the game or it'll be a score draw. So I'm not, I'm not too worried there now. I'm Wednesday night, no, What about you, you Gav? Me... Totally no, we'll do Real Madrid in a minute, mate. We'll get, we'll do... Uh, uh, I'll, get, I'll get all excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with Damo. Like, I just can't imagine them. But like, the more they open, us, open up and come on to us a little bit more, I just think it's more for children in our circumstance to kind of hit them on the counter because that's our game. I think if it's kind of one nil and then somewhat scrappy and they're pushing late on, then you can probably panic in relation to what happened last week. But I just can't see them being able to open us up. I'd, I'd imagine it'd be maybe one one, maybe two one down. But I can't, I can't see them beating us or beating us four or five nil and what are training and what they need to do. I'd be really, really shocked if it does happen. But Give them some pass sometimes. Like, I'm a little bit. Yeah, I don't this, is, this is a no negativity pod. There's no negativity <laughs> on this, lads. <laughs> what about you, Al? It's simple, mate. It's three-one Liverpool. It's that simple. I love it. I lo- I'll, I'll always back me up with the optimism. This is brilliant. And to finish, lads, we, I just want a yes or a no. If we play Madrid in the final, do we beat them? Yes. 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 Brilliant. That'll do for me, lads. Uh, I just want a quick word just for... (laughs) A quick word for our sponsors. Um, We obviously have been supported by IPT TV right through uh, the shows. We we really appreciate the support. If you're into your your TV shows, if you're into your sports, pay-per-view, Jan will be able to sort you out with all your TV needs. So follow him on Twitter at IPT. Uh, TV for all uh, and if you use the discount code LFCDT he'll be able to sort you out with uh, with some discounts and then our friends at Tribal Society now this is on Steve Brown we're meant to be sat here in Tribal Society t-shirts but Steve Brown uh, ran off to Liverpool to watch the football match and didn't pick up the t-shirts so check out the lads at Tribal Society on Twitter that's Tribal underscore Society and on Instagram it's Tribal.Society they've got some quality t-shirts and hoodies and I promise next week we will be wearing them Uh, so that leaves me now lads to thank you very much for your time tonight it's been an absolute pleasure as always I love the optimism and uh, hopefully when we're chatting next week, we're talking about a team that's in the Champions League final and secured top four. All the best, lads. All the best. All the best. Take it easy. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.